0: You have it.
1: Chapter 23, Tobias
0: Flying after Axe, heart hammering, wings whipping up and back, up and back, racing, zooming wildly, recklessly, through the tree branches I could barely see. My mind was gone, gone at the realization that it had happened. Jake, it couldn't be. It didn't fit in my brain. It was impossible. I spotted Axe. He was ripping into a row of Hessians. Down went one. Another. He leapt. Straight over them. Landed and headed for the officer. He was going to kill the man. Rachel had told him to. No, it was wrong. This Hessian officer wasn't responsible. Kryak, That's who had killed Jake. That's who'd set up this hopeless fool's errand. Get us out of here! I yelled. Kryak, Elemist, Whoever! Get us out of here! We quit! No answer. Axe headed for the Hessian officer. The man had a sword in his hand. I could yell to Axe to stop. I could... Ah! A wall of white rushed toward me. Billowing. Huge. Filling the sky. I banged hard. No, it didn't fill the whole sky. I could see sky. It took a few seconds for me to understand. A sail! A large, square sail. And below it, another. Above it, another as well. The wind blew them toward me. They killed the breeze for me, blocking it. I had to flap hard to stay ahead. I banked away, outside the path of the sail, and caught the breeze. Time jump. Visser 4 had moved again. He'd done the damage he could do. Below me was the tapered oval of a wooden ship. Three masts, each taller than a tree. Ropes, some of them as thick as someone's leg, stretched everywhere, from mast to mast, from mast to deck. Men in uniforms, with gold braid and boots, stood over other men in off-white dungarees, bare chests, and bare feet. I looked around. There were ships in all directions, seemingly forming two rough lines. Two lines stretched across miles of calm sea. The two lines were moving with unhurried, stately grace to an intersection. Every ship bristled with cannon. Marco? Rachel? Axe? Cassie? No answer. They could be miles and years away. I saw a lone dolphin keeping pace with the big ship below me. Is that anyone? Marco? Is that you? Cassie? I was talking to a dolphin. I was alone. I circled down to the ship. I kept pace with it, me and a bunch of seagulls. The ship was very ornate. The stern was slightly bowed, with gilt-edged windows, opening on a room with a table. I flapped to move closer in. I approached till I could see most, if not all, of the cabin. Then, with a few quick flaps, I was inside. Suddenly, in still air, I landed on a table covered with charts and maps and papers. My talons tore fragile paper. There was a quill pen, an inkwell, leather-bound books. In English, I could read the words on the chart, and I could make sense of the map showing the position of the ship. We were in the Atlantic Ocean, close to Spain. There was a point of land. It was labeled Trafalgar. I dropped down beneath the table and began to morph. If I was going to find Visser IV, I needed to be able to move around the ship. And I was going to find Visser IV. krayak might be the great evil, but it was this one Yurk who had killed Jake. And I was going to find him and see how well he could swim. Chapter 24 Marco
1: Axe was beside me. And a light, but right there, beside me. It was gloomy where we were. Maybe night, maybe not. There were murky candles somewhere, out of direct sight. We were in a world of wood. A low wooden ceiling made up of planks hung on humongous elephant leg timbers. There was a wooden floor beneath my bare feet. A grate, actually. Axe's hooves kept slipping through the holes. The floor was tilted moving slightly from semi-level to definitely not level. Around us, forming a sort of wall, enclosing an oval space, were ropes, piled high, almost to the ceiling, ropes as thick as Mark McGuire's biceps. "'Where are we?' Axe wondered. "'A boat. Ship of some kind,' I said. "'Down below. morphed to human, man.' "'Perhaps not just yet.' Max said, We appear to be trapped, enclosed behind this barrier of rope. He was right. We were trapped. I tried to push at a coil of rope. My fingers trembled. Sorry, I said. Sorry for what? I leaned against the wall of rope and threw up. Jake had slipped right under the water. Right under. They'd shoved him over the side, and I couldn't stop them. A hole in his head Like someone had put it there with a drill I told Cassie we could protect him I'd agreed kryak wouldn't have him But it had happened so fast One minute, nothing The next minute, death everywhere No arguing, no heroic actions No nothing It had taken a millisecond And now, what could I do for him now? Nothing No one could help him. His parents. He would never come home. What could I tell them? What could anyone tell them? I climbed up on the rope and peered out through the narrow gap. I saw two men, both with backs to us. They were wearing rough dungarees that looked like they'd been made out of canvas. Stiffer than new jeans. One was an Asian guy, the other white. The darker man was carrying a small barrel. The white man walked up behind him, produced a sort of short wooden club, and slammed it down hard on the other man's head. He clubbed the Asian man again as he fell. My mouth opened to yell, but Axe's andalite hand was over my face. It's him, Axe said. He had managed to get his stock eyes high enough to see. The white guy, this or four, hefted the barrel and carried it out of our sight. We have to get out of here, I hissed. Pulling Axe's hand away. Morph to something small enough to... Whap! twing. Axe whipped his tail. Again, again, again. And each time, another loop of the rope cable parted. This is quicker. I am very tired of being too late. Axe said. Got that right, man. Visor 4 was no longer in sight. Axe began to morph to human. Catch up when you can. I said. I took off in the direction Visser 4 had gone. A hallway going left and right. A stairway going down. Which way? I looked down. A partial footprint, outlined in red. Blood. From the man Visser 4 had clubbed. I followed the trail down. Down to a deck still darker and gloomier. And smellier. I saw him quite suddenly. He was hunched over, waddling, carrying something heavy low to the ground. The barrel. Something was pouring out of it. It looked like liquid. No, a dark powder. Gunpowder! The controller was laying a gunpowder trail so he could ignite the trail, run, and blow up the barrel. He wasn't ready yet. Neither was I. I began to morph. It was a morph I'd done many times before. So I was used to the way my face turned rubbery. The way coarse black hair sprouted from every inch of my body except my face. The way my shoulders and neck swelled to ludicrous proportions. The way muscle layered onto muscle. I'd been a gorilla before, but this was different. I savored every powerful muscle and sinew and steel beam bone. I was going to enjoy using them. Hey! I said. The controller who'd been viscer 4 spun around. I swung a fist the size of a football. The deck jumped. Something shockingly powerful had hit the ship. My blow missed. Visser 4 bolted. Not this time! I yelled and went after him. I didn't know where I was, or when I was, or who was driving the ship. So I didn't know who was going to see a gorilla racing around, and I didn't care. Visser 4 had made a fatal mistake. This was a ship. There were only two ways off it. Swim, or use the time matrix. He could lead me to the time matrix,
0: or he could die trying to outrun me. Chapter 25 Rachel Lieutenant, sir. Silence! Stand by your guns, men! But sir, look! The thing the lieutenant was being invited to look at was me. I was human, wearing an outfit that was definitely not appropriate, and standing on the open upper deck of a very large sailing ship. I had simply appeared. One minute, I'd been in the woods behind the Hessians, having demorphed, getting ready to morph to grizzly. Then, the lieutenant was a relatively young man, maybe twenty-five. Beside him was another person in uniform, probably no more than thirteen years old. On either side of us were knots of tense men, standing around huge, old-fashioned cannons. The cannons were aimed in the direction of another ship, moving closer and closer. The lieutenant, the kid, and the twenty or so men closest to me all gaped. Begad, it's a girl! A stowaway, a man with a scar said. She'll get your death in that rig. The kid whipped the hat off his head and performed a bow. Shall I escort the young woman below? He chirped hopefully. No, mister, you shall not. You will present my compliments to the captain and the admiral and inform them we have a stowaway aboard. A rare beauty of a stowaway, the young guy said, leering and blushing. He ran off, looking back over his shoulder as he stumbled his way to the raised platform further back. A deck of some sort. All right, men, you've all seen a female before this. The Frenchman is over there. Stand by your guns. Steady men, wait for the order. The men went back to their guns, but with frequent looks over their shoulders. I ignored them. I was looking for a face, with fewer missing teeth and no scars. I was looking for... Fire! A huge explosion. The sound alone could have killed a person with a weak heart. It was as if every cannon on Earth had fired at once. The cannons slipped back in their clumsy wooden carriages and snapped hard against thick ropes that held them in place. Smoke billowed up all along the side of the ship. I don't know how many cannons had fired, but it was a lot. Thirty, forty, fifty, I don't know. But the concussion felt like a punch in the head. The noise left me half-deaf, ears ringing. Seconds later... This time, the smoke was from the French. The railing not two feet from me blew apart. Huge splinters flew. A man was down, screaming. The gun crews were already at work, swabbing, drawing the guns back with brute force, carrying round steel cannonballs forward, manhandling them into the barrels of the cannon. I barely noticed the man who shot up through a hatchway behind me. But I definitely noticed the gorilla who was after him. Marco! Viscerfor ran. Marco followed. I didn't hesitate. I raced after them both. There were shouts of dismay and amazement from the crewmen, roared orders from the officers. A red coated soldier, a marine, I guess, tried to cut Marco off. Marco pushed him aside with enough force to send him sprawling. But two more red coated marines and a sailor lunged and grabbed Marco, slowing him down. Viscerfor bolted toward an open door. Then, he stopped. Very suddenly. A flurry of russet feathers, a flash of talons. Visser 4 staggered back, clutching his face. The cannon fired again. The French answered. A cannonball passed so close by my face that I felt the breeze. More men were down. Pandemonium! A gorilla, a hawk, and a girl in a leotard all racing, chasing a man with two clear skin and two white teeth, while blue-coated officers bellowed, red in the face with rage, and scarlet-coated marines and dungareed soldiers formed a freak-show chase scene. Visser 4 jumped and grabbed a handful of rigging. He was strong and agile. His stolen human body had belonged to a young, unsuccessful actor. He swung himself up a sort of complex rope ladder. It was a smart move. Tobias couldn't get at him without risking being caught in the maze of ropes. And, as strong as Marco was, guerrillas are not fast tree-climbers. You're dead! Marco raged, shaking off a pair of marines. Visefort glanced down, then kept climbing. Now the cannon were no longer firing in regular volleys. French and British alike were firing as fast as they could. It was a mad race of death. Which crew, British or French? pull a ton of cannons back fastest. Who could swab the red-hot barrel? Who could ram in the canvas bag of powder, the wadding, the cannonball, wrestle the cannon back up snug against the port, and aim it, all while being fired on by cannons and muskets? Not my problem. Not my war. My war was with Visser IV. I started to morph. Not Grizzly. Not Elephant. Marco had chosen the wrong weapon. This wasn't a job for brute force. Rough brown fur began to grow from me. I didn't wait for the morph to be completed. I moved. Come back here, you! Someone shouted. I was running, bare feet on tilting wood that had been sprinkled with sand to sop up the blood. Cannon fired. Sweaty crews worked feverishly. Smoke choked my throat and stung my eyes. The ships were now within a few feet of each other. It was simple violence. Hammer blows. Hammering, hammering, hammering. As timbers shattered, and cannon were blown off their mounts, and sails and masts and rigging fell, and men were torn apart. The wind tore a rip in the curtain of smoke. Tobias! I saw him clearly, flapping hard to get out from under a large falling spar. Crowded onto platforms high on the masts, marines fired feverishly down on the French. Viscerfor swung up and around them, unnoticed. I grabbed a rope. The sailors were incredibly agile, racing up and down the masts and ropes to shift the sails, to replace ropes that had been shot away. Viscerfor himself wasn't bad. But now I was a chimpanzee. The human hasn't been born who can touch a chimpanzee in a tree. Muskets fired. I swung up into the rigging and shot straight up at a speed and with an ease that made even the most graceful sailor look like a lumbering ox. Up and up, hand and foot, hand and foot, effortless. Visser 4 was above me, heading higher. Then he looked down and saw me. I enjoyed the fear in his blue eyes. I loved the fear in his eyes. That's right. You are all mine. Sudden silence. The cannon had stopped firing. Crunch! The two ships crumpled into each other. Grappling hooks flew, snagging ropes and spars and railings. The two ships were lashed together. British sailors began to pour over the side, rushing with wild cries onto the French ship. The French had swiveled some small cannon to face the onrushing Englishmen. Half a dozen men fell like they were bowling pins. And worse, from my point of view, the French had a couple of small brass cannon mounted on swivels on one of the mid mast platforms. They were firing into the rigging. Ping! The rope I was holding parted. I fell! My left hand reached out and snagged another rope. Effortless. This was my world. This was my environment. Visser 4 was as high up as he could go the junction of the highest bar crossed the mast. He was clutching the mast. Now where do you go, Yurk? I asked him. Get away! He cried in a shrill voice. I don't think so, I said. Your personal history ends right here, right now. No! Let me live! And, and, the time matrix! You know you want it! Where is it? You'll never find it without me, he said. I laughed. It's a ship. It's only so big. I'll find it. You can't kill me, Andalite, he begged. Oh, but I can, I said. You killed someone I love. I shot up the mast, hand over hand. Three seconds and I would... Falling! I was falling, straight down, face up so I could see half a chimpanzee still clinging to the mast. Falling, spinning now, the realization slow and seeping into my dying brain. I'd been blown in half. Darkening eyes saw viscer 4 crowing, laughing, and...
1: Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs' auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel uh thank you for listening let's get uh the apology out of the way first to um the people of the united kingdom uh my bad (laughs) what i'm I'm learning in this book so like you know it's a time travel book i was like i i kind of remembered they went to france i was like okay you know i can muddle through a french accent it's not that big of a deal did not remember that we were then going to go to the battle of uh trafalgar and i'd have to do like an english accent An accent i like famously if you know me i can't do um uh, sorry like uh, i i don't know what else this i i I, <laughs> I did my best uh and it's not good i i acknowledge that it's not good um had i uh been more responsible planned ahead read ahead um maybe maybe i could have found uh someone who who can do an accent to, to come step in but I didn't so uh it is what it is I remember <laughs> it, it's just funny because I've been stressed out about the Australia book that's in like another gosh 15 books I don't know when they go to Australia it's pretty late in the series I've been stressing over that for ages and ages because I know they like talked to some like uh, an Australian kid or something and I was like oh man you're gonna have to figure that out and then uh I I got that sorted. I just simply forgot that in Megamorphs three, the time travel one, they they go to like a bunch of places with like English people and stuff and French people. Uh, I think we're through. I think I think after this, it's oh, they meet the Germans, don't they? Mm. Well, <laughs> um, I'm probably gonna do the accents for the rest of this book just because you know we're already in it. What's the what's the point of having two bad accents and then have people come in and do like two good accents? On the back end, um, I'm I'm figuring this all out right here live on air. Uh, so this is this is how I plan things. Um, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. Um, but I I hope other than that that everything else uh, in these chapters seems pretty good. I got some messages uh, I'd like to read first ones uh, coming in through the pay, the PayPal because this is a, another addition to our uh, Platinum tier of listeners uh people who donate to my server fees if you'd like to donate you can find a link to my paypal uh, on my website that's theapocalypse.com the apocalypse like apocalypse but with a d in the middle uh this is from cd dance collective who uh very graciously donated and included the message thank you for all you do been listening since book Two. Oh, an old head a uh, long time listener wow 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 and i'm on this journey with you until the end Best of luck with the job search. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Happy New Year. To you as well, uh, CD Dance Collective. That's uh, really cool uh, that you've been around so long. Um, th- thank you for sticking around. I Those early books, you know, could have been better. <laughs> um, But, uh, yeah. Mer- thank you so much for donating to my server fees. I uh, really appreciate it. Again, uh, if you're listening to this, don't feel that you need to donate to my server fees at... At, the time, at this moment, I'm still okay. Uh, I got a little nest egg. I'm on unemployment. We should be fine. Uh, podcast is not in danger of being unhosted. Um, if, that, if that day ever comes, I will let you all know and beg for money then. Until then, it's just, uh, if you appreciate what I do and the spirit moves you and you have a little extra and you want to donate to my server fees, I deeply appreciate it. But just know that is not, uh, there's no pressure at all. Seriously. Um, moving on, I got two messages on the Tumblr, that's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. The first one reads from Heather. Hi Daniel, I've been listening for a few months. Of course I enjoy every episode, but MM3 chapters 20 through 22, which was last week, uh, was particularly impressive. The first order Rachel gives to Axe and the emotion in Cassie's voice gave me goosebumps and maybe some tears. Thank you for letting me relive the best book series of my childhood with you signed Heather. Uh thank you so much for writing in Heather. I'm so glad that uh those passages emotionally connected with you. Uh you know. Uh I too have experienced uh that hole of grief that Cassie described, so uh I felt that maybe I could put a little extra juice in that one and, and maybe uh flex some some uh, amateur acting skills there. Uh, I'm glad it came through, uh, in a way that, uh, uh, you connected with and and didn't come off hokey or overacted. Um, thank you so much for writing in. I also have a message from, uh, Edney, who writes, Hey, I absolutely cried and sobbed listening to episode 223, which I believe is also the same episode last week. Um, uh, I know he has to come back to life, but God doesn't hurt. Great job. Uh, sorry, uh, very loud radio just drove by, um, the alley where, where this room I'm recording in is. Um, thank you so much for writing in, Edney, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'll tell you what, they didn't remember that, I remembered, uh, I sort of remembered that, like, you know, Jake dies a couple times in this series, uh, or, you know, there's, there's a couple of, like, time loop shenanigans where people die, actually, I'm thinking about, uh, the Jaguar one, where actually Jake didn't die, everyone else did, but maybe he died at the end. I can't remember at this point. Um, but, like, I think I came into this, like, kind of remembering that maybe Jake died. I did not remember that Rachel also dies a few chapters later. That was crazy. Uh, I was on the edge of my seat. Um, thank you for writing in, uh, Edney, once again. Um, I'm, I'm glad that that connected with you as well. Uh, I I wonder how many are, how many animals are going to go before, before they do whatever time shenanigans they need to do to reset it. I don't know. Uh, now now you and I are truly on this adventure together because I don't remember the rest of this book other than, uh, you know, uh, one of the more iconic wars in history that they visit. I, I, and, well, I also remember that they go to the, you know what, we'll get there. We'll get there. Point is, I don't actually remember how any of this resolves, so we'll find that out together. Um, I've chatted on long enough, uh, have a great week, all of that. Uh, you can also, I re, I mentioned two other ways. You can also reach me through Gmail. That's audiomorphsguys at gmail.com. And, uh, you can also tweet at me at audiomorphs, and that's where you should check if I'm ever late. Uh, that's, that's all I got. Uh, I'd leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you want. I don't care. I don't know. Um, thank you for listening, and, uh, I'll see you next week where hopefully there will be less accent work for me to do. All right. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.